I'm Lance Hurley. It is my pleasure to be here with you at Westridge, and uh, what an honor and privilege to be with you today. Hey, I thought I'd start today with an experience I had last summer. The 4th of July, we, after attending a parade in Urbana, Darla and I went fishing with our daughter-in-law and grandchildren. Uh, we found a good shady spot because it was a hot day, and it wasn't long before the bobbers were floating out in the, in the lake waiting for a, uh, a bite. And that was when my daughter-in-law spotted the snake. It was swimming close to the bank, said, oh, snake! And uh, sure enough, it was right there, playing. and I started poking at it with my rod, because that's what I do, and uh, I tried to scare it away, just trying to mess around with it a little bit. The snake was very persistent, as snakes are sometimes. It would hide for a couple minutes, then it would come back up, and this was a cool snake, because it would stick its head up out of the water and look at you. It was really strange, really kind of strange. Very persistent. Uh, I thought it was kind of fun. Darla and Crystal, my daughter-in-law, not so much. Now, my grandson, who was five at the time, declared that it was an Egyptian viper. Uh, and I said, no, it's not an Egyptian viper. He said, oh, Grandpa, I know it's, a, no, it's not an Egyptian viper. And that's what he said, what is it? I said, I don't know, but I know what it isn't, okay? So I scared it away, at least I thought it did, and the fish started biting. So we were catching little panfish, you know, about that big. And uh, Darla caught a fish, and she started reeling off. She said, the snake! And I looked, looked down, and the snake had about half of her fish in its mouth. And I said, reel them in, reel them in. Because that's what you do, right? Okay. And she did. And that's when it happened. Uh, the snake let go of the fish. I could swear I could hear it pop as it came out of his mouth. Okay. And the fish came flying back toward her. And, and she screamed and stumbled back. My daughter-in-law screamed and stumbled back. And Garrett and I, my grandson, watched the fish fly by our heads as it, as it went by us. I was laughing like crazy. Okay. I mean, I just was. My wife does not scream except for mice, and now I've learned flying snakes. Okay, those two things. My crystal's response was, I guess snakes in water do uh, kind of creep me out. And Darla said, I screamed because I thought the snake was flying toward me. Well, I went online the next day, see if I could find out what kind of snake it was. And it was either a brown-banded water snake or a water moccasin, also known as a cotton mouth, which is poisonous. So I asked her, I asked Darla, I said, so when it was flying toward you with its mouth open, was it white? And she said, stop it. Okay. Now, I tell you that story is a setup for the topic we're going to be exploring today. Now, we're continuing in our summer trail mix series where we're looking at short verses in the Bible that, that speak to a variety of issues and things that we will encounter on the journey of life. So in this story, we have fishing which involves lures. We have a snake, which is very symbolic to the topic we're going to be looking at. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Here's what it says. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Now, Paul wrote this verse in the middle of a passage that looked back into Jewish history. And what he was doing through the, in the beginning part of chapter 10, he detailed a number of times that the Jewish people encountered temptation and chose to give in to it. And then it showed the end result of what happened because it disrupted their relationship with God. Now, he wrote this book to people who lived in a very corrupt environment. The, t- the, the town or city of Corinth was about 250,000 people, one of the capital cities in Greece. It was highly immoral. I mean, so much so that the term to Corinthianize became synonymous with being sexually immoral. immoral. 
The church was, was plagued with a variety of problems, which you can read in preceding chapters. But in the midst of this chapter, Paul writes this one verse. And basically what this verse tells us is that what happened in the past does not need to continue to happen in the future, if you choose wisely. So here's the key idea I want to look at together today. The, the idea is this, there is a way to defeat an enemy that we all face. The enemy is temptation. This is something that the verse we're looking at says we all share in common. We are all tempted. Now, let me say at this point, temptation is not sin. Okay? Temptation is not sin. We are all tempted. It's what we do with it that determines our rela- the outcome of our relationship with God. So we all encounter temptation. We might be tempted to lie about something that makes us look better than others. We might face the opportunity to talk around about somebody else behind their backs or, or to lust after someone or something. You know, it's, it, temptation, though, occurs often. And temptation always looks good. So I, so I brought this with me today. Allure. Isn't that a great word? I bought this at Bass Pro the other day just for this message. The, the clerk asked me when I brought it up to me, she said, does that work? I said, I don't know. I'm using it for a message. Okay? She said, well, why'd you buy it? I said, because it's pretty. Okay, right? Isn't this what Lord, what temptation looks like? It's pretty. When Satan led Eve, who was accompanied by Adam, to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, way back in the beginning of time in the Garden of Eden, the fruit looked good. And the way he described it to Eve made it look even better. However, we need to remember that inside every fishing lure, lure lurks what? The hooks. The hooks are there. Now look at what the verse says here. It says, no temptation has seized you. The word for temptation comes from the word to experience. Now, so basically what it's telling us, the enemy is very sneaky. And he puts these things in here that makes us say, hey, I wonder what it would be like to experience that thing. I read a couple of weeks ago about several members of a, of a law enforcement, drug enforcement team in Nashville, Tennessee, that gave in to the temptation of taking money that had been seized during a raid. And the article ta- talked about how this had happened very slowly through, the, through several years of things, of raids. They had taken money and they started with very small amounts until they were finally caught with an amount of around $40,000 $40, that they took from money seized. Temptation makes us wonder. I wonder what it would be like to, and you fill in the blank, right? Fill in the blank. We're all tempted. And we're tempted in different ways. What, what affects you may not affect me and vice versa. We're all tempted. In fact, the, the word tempting, temptation also has a, a, another word, another meaning to it. It carries the idea of being tested. We all face tests. I, I told first time, I'm going to tell you guys, my, uh, we, we've go, we're going through a test as a family right now. My brother-in-law on Tuesday had a brain hemorrhage, and he's lying in the hospital in Peoria right now in the ICU. We don't know what's going to happen. It's a test. It's hard. We all face them. We all face them. The temptation is always to look at the test or look at the temptation 
versus looking up, right? I mean, that's, that's the way that works. Now, we might feel that the test we're facing, the temptation we're facing, it, it, it's, it's just something only I have. No one else can understand what we're going through, right? I mean, that's, that's the idea we face time. No one else knows how strong this temptation is. But the reality we see in this verse, we all share them in common. We're all tested. We're all tempted. And I'll tell you what, if we've all faced a temptation, there have been some who've defeated it. That's the key here. Now, what does temptation do? We're told here it seizes us. Now, we understand that with hooks, right? We get that. Now, I brought a uh, glue mousetrap with me today. So, and I have my action figure. Okay? All right. Everybody needs an action figure with them, right? I mean, that's the way it works. For me, anyway. Okay, now here's the, you know how this works, right, with a mouse, okay? The mouse comes up to this, they smell it, because it smells very good. It really does. And so, a, a mouse will stick his, his nose in it, okay? Now, you also know that as he, as he puts his nose in, he realizes, okay, I'm sticking to this, and he begins to struggle, and all of a sudden, he's caught, right? And he's not coming off. So what we're told here is temptation seizes us if we allow it. We allow it. Temptation always begins with a look, right? The first look. We all face it. We all face it. I have a discipleship partnership with a longtime friend. We were talking a couple weeks ago about things that tempt us. We lift weights together. I told him, I said, I'll tell you what, one thing for me, it can be the girls at the gym. I'll look. Now look again. I battled that, I told him. So he gave me some good advice, and we talked about holding each other accountable. Because I don't want to get stuck. See, the problem is the first look can lead to the first step if we allow it. Satan tempts us with the purpose of causing us to fall, to give in, to get us totally wrapped up where we can't get out. So the sobering thought we see here is that we're all tempted. Now, the beautiful thing is this is not where the verse ends, okay? The, the verse ends, there are some great promises in this that leads us to victory. Remember the key point of this, the key I thought in this whole thing. There is a way to defeat this enemy we all face, all right? So there's a defeat. There's a defeat in here, uh, or a victory in here, excuse me. It goes on and says, God is faithful. Now, when I hear faithful, I think of things that can be counted on. When you walk in the room and flip the light switch, what do you expect to happen? Tell me. Expect lights to go on, right? Okay, I mean, that's just the way it works. How about when you, when you put your key into your car and you turn it, what do you expect to happen? Expect your car to start. Now, if your car started only 90% of the time, would you be happy? Okay, no, because you know the 10% within you. Well, anyway, yeah, it doesn't work that way. We like faithfulness, right? There's a geyser in Yellowstone Park that's called Old what? You know why it's called Old Faithful? Because it goes off. You can, you can count on it going off. Now, these are very poor illustrations of what the word faithful means when, uh, when it's attached to our God. Because things we count on, whether it be relationally or, or inanimate objects, they will sometimes fail us. God never will. Never. Even when it seems to us like he isn't listening or he's far, far away, God never fails us. He's faithful. He's never far away from us. He never deserts us. 
And this especially holds true when our enemy faces off against us and challenges us with temptation. No temptation is easy to accept what is common man, and God is faithful. So what can we count on? Here's the promise. He will never let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. So if we're tested, if we're tempted, we know we can stand up under it. I find comfort in this. I know that nothing that's trying to lure my attention or focus is going to take me down if I don't give in to it. Even when it may feel like temptation is so strong, I don't need to listen to the temptation. I need to listen to the Father because he's saying, no, 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 come on. I've told you, I've told you, this one won't take you down. Look at me, listen to me. Now, I see this a couple ways. First of all, I recognize there are plenty of warnings in the Bible about what happens with temptation. I did a children's sermon one time at a church, and I had a bag like this that I brought out to the kids. I said, okay, here's the deal. Inside this bag, I have a mousetrap that is set. And I said, who wants to put their hand in it? And one of the boys goes, I said, okay, Amor, hang on here. I told you there's a mousetrap inside here, the set. Why in the world would you want to put your hand inside of it? I don't know. He was 10, I think. I don't know. Uh, Maybe you don't have one in there. I said, okay, well, let let me show you something. I did this. And his eyes got real big. <laughs> Here's the deal. God warns us in the Bible of things that are going to trap us, right? We need to listen. We need to listen to him. And not, and not run through the warning signs, right? The promise here, if we listen, any temptation we face is not going to be stronger than we are. Now, it may be stronger than me personally, but it's not going to be stronger than me and the spirit working inside of me. Never. Now, question is, does this work? Okay, let me give you this instance. I was heading inside the other day when I fell up the stairs. Okay, anybody else fall up stairs? Yeah, I do. I do. Anyway, so I fall up the stairs. I landed on my, on my arm, and immediately my head said, hey, this would be a perfect time to let a swear word or two go. Right? Now, I, I told you before, swearing was a habit that I, after reading about self-control, that I realized, okay, I need to work on. So my head thought it. But the Spirit said to me, you don't need to say anything. You're fine. So I didn't. I listened to the warning. Now, I did close the door rather vigorously. Because I'm working at one thing at a time, okay? But the temptation to fall into old behavior was blocked this time. I I love that. Now, I don't do that all the time. A lot of times I just give in, right, okay? I have different areas of life to grow on, to work on. But the promise is, with the Father protecting me, I can defeat temptation. I don't have to give in to it. Now, secondly, we can learn from past experiences and the experiences of others what happens with the end result of temptation. So we don't want to go down that road because we see what happens. James 1 says this, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. After desire is conceived, he gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. 
We need to remember every temptation, no matter how good it may look, has a hook buried inside of it. And when we see the end results of giving in, it should sober us up to realize, I don't want to go down that road. I was hunting wild turkey last year when I saw temptation in action right in front of me. It took the form of this beautiful lady right here. I had my decoy set up out in the field. And after calling very seductively, I saw a gobbler come out from the woods way across the field. He just was a little blur, a little blob out in the, out in the field. And I saw him stick his head up, and I began calling a little more seductively. And all of a sudden, he saw her. And he said, I need some companionship. And he began to make his way toward me across the field. I was hunting with my brother-in-law, and I was telling him what was going on because he was up against the fence, and I could see the gobbler coming toward us. I said, okay, he's about, he's about 150 yards out. He's coming. Just keep purring, keep purring. So the gobbler, he just kept walking toward the decoy. And he's coming down a fence line toward us, and I, I knew what he was going to do. And, and, I, and I had in my mind how he was going to taste, okay? And that's when I noticed him begin to display the behavior that I sometimes have seen him display because he knew something wasn't right. Here's the deal. When gobblers gobble, the hens go to them, typically. And my hen was just standing there. Well, she looks good, but she wasn't being very responsive to him, Okay. He ducked behind a tree about 50 yards away, and that's the last I saw of him. Now, I could, I could almost have told the story of the way temptation brings you into the range, of, uh, the range of a 12 gauge, but I can't, okay? Because I think this is a perfect illustration of the final promise we get in this passage here. When it comes to the enemy we're facing, the promise is of escape. Because Paul concludes this verse, he says this, When you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can stand up under it. So not only are we given the assurance that we'll never face more than what we can handle, we're also promised an escape route if we'll look for it. Now I have some, some uh, uh, pictures of escape hatches here behind me. Here's a definition. A hatch providing an emergency exit from an enclosed space. My definition, it's a way out. Now you ever feel like temptation is crowding in on you? I have no other choice than to give in to this. Well, if that's the way you feel, it's not right. It's not true. We need to look for the way out. Because God promises there is a way out. I heard a minister talking about this, uh, the word escape. It literally means to step out. So instead of stepping into a dangerous situation, we just step out away from it. And this is exactly what the turkey did to me. Exactly. He knew something wasn't right with the setup in front of him. So instead of being curious, saying, hmm, I think I need to go check this hen out and see why she's not moving. He ran away. And he survived. We have an enemy who seeks to use temptation to pull our attention away from the Father. To put us into dangerous situations that will disrupt our relationship with the Father. He laughs with joy 
when he can get us looking at temptation instead of listening to the voice of the Father, who's always for us, who loves us as his children, who wants what's best for each of us. And he's the one who encourages us through his spirit. When we feel like we fall all we can, that our strength is depleted, and we have to give up. He's the one who cheers us on and says, no, 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 no. Come on, you're stronger than you think. Look up. Look up. There's a way out. There's a couple things I'd like you to consider this week. First of all, I'm going to ask you to spend time listening to the voice of the Father. Now, most often, I'll be honest, I, I hear him when I read the Bible. I try to practice reading the Bible every day. So I just want to encourage you to read a chapter a day this week. Uh, go to one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, the first four books in the New Testament. Just, just read a chapter and just listen to the Father speak to you. Because if you read, if you open yourself up and you, you read, he will, he will speak to you through the words. Secondly, I, I know temptation is going to come your way this week because I know it's going to come my way. And I don't know what form it's going to take, but I'll tell you what, as you read the Bible, it really should help you gain a better early warning system. Because when we put the Bible into our lives regularly, we're going to more quickly recognize things that are coming our way that don't look quite right. And when those things come, we can step away instead of stepping into. And that's the third thing I want to ask you to do. If warning bells go off, don't ask questions. Don't wait to see how close you can get to the danger. Don't hesitate. Run. Run away. Because you don't want the looks in. You don't want the looks in. Look away from temptation and find the escape path because it's there. It's a promise. It's a promise. Now, folks, I know we fall to temptation. I fall to temptation. That's why I love, the, I love remembering and knowing the grace of the Father because He gives us grace. And when we fall, just tell Him we're sorry. And then pick yourself up and get moving again because He's there for us, always. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's why Jesus came. Next time temptation approaches us, though, after we picked ourselves up, we, we will know the way that works, right? We should be smarter. So we'll be able to escape quicker because we'll know what it is. So here's my challenge. Try to win one, one temptation confrontation this week. Okay? Just one. Just one. I'll tell you what. As you win one, it breeds victory, okay? It'll breed the, the, the hunger to win another one and another one. But look, try to win one. Try to win one. And then when you win one, share your story with someone. Because I'll tell you what, that's another way we help each other. Because as we share those stories of victory, other people realize, hey, maybe I can win one too. (sighs) Yeah, we can do it. God is faithful. And we can trust him to keep his promises. I love the Father. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the fact you are faithful. We can count on you. Now, thank you for, uh, I thank you for the reality we can just lean into you, even when we don't understand things, even when we don't get things, we don't know the final outcomes of things. You do. And you're going to help us through. I pray for my family here. You will bless them. 
Would you help each of us try to win one this week? As we win one, we can give, we can point to you and say, thank you. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray.